when it comes to common rider ah oh, that's so tough um so the best written season when it comes to common rider was actually kind of the biggest surprise seasons that came to common rider it was the release of uh common rider drive which was the first series that the protagonist was car based and he actually wasn't based on a motorcycle which is you know where the whole rider from common rider comes from you know common mask rider basically and they've always been ever since the 70s characters that have ridden on motorcycles except for like the one time common rider black had a car outside of that there wasn't ever a car motif but aside from that the writing of the series was really really surprising it was basically you had these robots that were basically trying to take over humanity and basically try to become as human as possible even though humans were kind of the thing that they despised they were these things known as roid mutants they basically had no emotion but they were able to slow down time so with the whole motif of common rider drive since he was the car base and everything he was able to speed through time and everything the nice thing about it when it came to this season it was just so full of characters that you know seemed like really good decent characters that had flaws that had real you know they they seemed really real and they went through a lot of different problems through that season where you had one character who her ex-boyfriend or something was turned into one of these robot things and she was almost thinking of joining their side because she had loved him so dearly but you know realized in the end like you can't do that that's it's messed up to betray, betray your friends and everything it's absolutely one of my it's it's the oddest season it's never one that i would tell people to jump right into hmm. because when it comes to common rider it's all about selling toys like toys are what common rider is because that's what keeps it afloat so that season their gimmick items were basically hot wheels and i i know i know but they were hot wheels that you would basically like you would flip you would put it into the changer activate henshin and everything and then he would become what that car was based off of so there was basically like a jeep there was like a formula one race car there were so many different types of forms that he had it was ridiculous there was there was a bike form that came later on when you got the secondary rider who was finally based on a motorcycle to everyone's interest i was really hoping you were going to say like bicycle <laughs> i uh, so uh common rider double that was a season back from 2009 they had a character who literally became the motorcycle like he was the motorcycle like you would see him change and like grab the wheels and everything and he would become the motorcycle and then years later we had common rider x8 which was a video game based series so with that each character was based off of a different like genre of video game the main character was like platformer games and everything like mario kirby things like that but there was one that was based off of bmx games okay like excite bike and stuff like that basically yeah okay. yeah 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 so his literal thing was to become a dirt bike so he became a dirt bike and you would see his goofy little face on the front like where the steering wheel was it was it's nutty so that's one of the reasons why i tell people like you need to watch common rider because when it comes to common rider i always try to compare it so that way people understand because it's very much its own thing everyone goes to well it looks very power rangers it came from power rangers basically because it was created by the same man in japan shitaro ishinomori he created Kamen Rider years later. He created what was the original Super Sentai Go Ranger, which inevitably became Power Rangers over here when they got Z Rangers, blah, blah, blah. Wow, well, see, this is what happens. I always kind of get off. No, it's cool. Get um, off pace when we, uh, when we talk about uh, 
this kind of stuff because I can go everywhere with it. No, I forgot where we were. Uh, where we were. You're you're good, man. So just real quick, hey everybody, welcome to the new episode of Character Progression. Hi, I'm Dan Brown. My guest today is Josh, Hello. or known around the Orlando area as Dick Steele. Yes, yes, that is the name. Um, <laughs> and. I'm pretty sure you can already tell we're talking about Common Rider. What character from Common Rider are you focusing on today? I'm going to talk about Numero Uno, the one that started it off back in 1971, which was Common Rider. In Japan, he's known as Common Rider Ichigo, which means Common Rider One because he was the original one. So Common Rider is its own weird thing, which was the point that I was on before. It was a series that. You know, people say it's like Power Rangers, but when you kind of go over and look at what Super Sentai is in Japan or what Kamen Rider is, it's so completely different. You know, Power Rangers over here, I feel like it covers what we would expect. You know, it's, it's usually around a group of teenagers who are in high school and it's really relatable for kids, teenagers, you know, and younger kids and everything. And that's a very relatable topic. And I feel like that's what sells better over here. But then they've actually just came out with a new series, uh, Beast Morphers, which I feel it's been really strong so far. I don't know if you've had a chance. I haven't seen any of it yet. It's wonderful. They've definitely done some improvements since they've gone over to the Hasbro side. But Kamen Rider is so much more of a dark story. A lot of these stories, uh, my very first one that I got into, uh, which was the 2015 series Kamen Rider Gaim, it was a series that was written by the writer of the Madoka Magica series, which if you're familiar with it, is a series that based around a group of young high school girls that discover that they can uh, get these powers to become magical girls. They get that power, and if they defeat witches, they can get their biggest wish. But within the first character, one of the biggest major characters to that series lost her head very literally. Oh. And it got just, it went from being really light and bubbly to just really dark in tone. And that was very much what Common Rider Gaim was. It started off as a series that was talking about kids dancing, like an almost like you just got served sort of thing. And then it went to heavy genocide. <laughs> Shit. And, yeah, I mean, I guess that's along the same lines. <laughs> yeah, I mean, well, at least uh, for that, that series in theaters, at least. It was it the like... genocide of people who couldn't dance? <laughs> It was a genocide of everyone. It was really bad because it started off with like dancing and then the dancers would fight for territory by using Digimon battles. Okay. And, and, and the Digimon battles would then became like the riders becoming fruit warriors because basically the, the gimmick items, which is one of the ones that I have here, they had like fruit and stuff on the front of them and they would become beat riders. They would, be, they would become these fruit, different fruit riders. The main character was an orange samurai. You had a great Chinese warrior, um, another Chinese warrior, which was based off of a melon. It was all really strange. A, a so, cherry viking. Well, first off, that's amazing. <laughs> but so they were dancing mm -hmm. to beats while being warriors of fruit so like beats it was one of those it was one of those where like the whole domination and territory thing like just kind of went underground after the first 10 episodes and then they're like oh this big corporation called Yggdrasil that's like this big major corporation has a gigantic like mechanical tree in the center of the town and everything it's very like ominous of like okay these are probably not good guys you know <laughs> then that becomes a bigger story but but back to where it started with common Rider. It's dark. It's always has been dark, but over the years, especially since the revival in the 2000s, it's lined up in tone. 
But the original 71 story, it uh, starred the protagonist of Takeshi Hongo, who was a college student who had a 800 IQ. 800? 800 IQ. Okay. <laughs> 1971. I just want to want that to be noted. So he had an 800 IQ. And he was in college, but one of his uh, favorite things to do was ride a motorcycle. And he did it as a racer, you know, trying to get the best times and everything. All while this is happening, the world has an evil organization that is known as Shocker, that is trying to take over the world. Shocker is this organization that basically takes humans, turns them into amalgamated like monsters, which are basically always a combination of something that's organic with something inorganic. So one of my favorite examples of that is in Kamen Rider V3, the inspiration where I think the inspiration from Blastoise came from was this villain who was a turtle with two bazookas coming out of his back. That doesn't sound like Blastoise at all. No, no, right? (laughs) And it was some uh, name of something like, you know, just like Turtle Zooka or something like that, something corny and silly like that. But it's just another thing where a lot of people don't know about Kamen Rider, but a lot of people know of things that got inspired by Kamen Rider. Like a most recent thing that I saw, uh, one of my favorite games of the last few years was Persona 5. Okay. PlayStation 4. One of the characters in that is a cat named Morgana, and he does um, this transformation to become a cat into a cat van, which is a very obvious Totoro reference with that. But when he does the transformation into it, he does the iconic Kamen Rider 1 pose. Okay. He does that, he henshins, and then becomes the van. And a lot of people, you know, would just see that as like, oh, okay, you know, do the, maybe like a Sentai pose or something like that. But mm-hmm. it was like the pose for Kamen Rider 1. And heck, um, I want to say before that, uh, the Ninja Turtle series that was on Nickelodeon recently. Yeah, the, um, the CG one. Mm-hmm. I, I want to say Michelangelo did Kamen Rider B3's Henshin pose in one of the episodes, just randomly. It's just a lot of the... And I've been finding out that like a lot of creators, especially that are like professional artists nowadays, have found this. One of the biggest known ones that I know is, um, I don't know if you're familiar with the Cartoon Network series, The Mighty Magiswords. I've seen clips here and there, but I've never actually like sat down and watched it before. I can't say enough, not even trying to be biased with the fact that the creator is a Kamen Rider fan. It's really good. It's a very silly series. I know a few of the people that work on it. They have the Game Grumps. They voice characters in the show and everything. It's really fun. It's not had a lot of sun shown on it, and not a lot of people know that it's there. But they have a character in the show that's basically a gigantic Kamen Rider reference. It's wonderful. (laughs) I mean, that happens a lot with some of the shows. I know, I think it's Disney Channel has... The show about the magical princess from another dimension who lives oh, with um, the karate oh, kid. Uh, Star versus the forces of, of evil. evil. Yeah. Yes, which um, I've seen a few episodes of. Yes, yeah, and same. is fantastic. A very very good humor. It's funny. It's so well written. So a lot of those shows do have the kind of tendency to fall by the wayside. Mm. But anyway, completely off topic. <laughs> no, 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 no. Hey, if anything, more people need to see Star Wars Forces of Evil. It's on Hulu. It's on Hulu. Go watch it on Hulu. Anyway, this is not an advertisement. <laughs> um, no, they, they're unfortunately not paying us because I would love some of that Disney money. Oh, uh, I would love some of that Disney money. We're so close to it too. Imagine if we got Disney money and being this close to Disney. That would be so good. It'd be fantastic. So 
this evil organization, this shocker that I was telling you about, they have these amalgamated creatures, like I told you about the very first one, uh, the very first episode, they used a Spider-Man. And it was 71, and, you know, they didn't have the best back then. That costume is fucking creepy. To <laughs> this day, it's creepy. The second episode after that was, uh, like, a man-bat-Batman thing. Yeah, I'm pretty sure they used Spider-Man and Batman for the names, but, you yeah, know, that's just me. Uh, <laughs> and ever since then that's been a like a running trope with the series um no matter what common rider series you find i think there's been one or two exceptions you will always find a spider and a bat somewhere as like some sort of villain of the series almost every time it's just little weird things like that that have always really really got me like i came across common rider i want to say close to about four or five years ago it came at a really bizarre time, and it was uh, it was Kamen Rider Gaim that I mentioned before. That was my first, like, vision of any of this. And it was the Henshin sequences. So Henshin, Japanese, is transform. So basically with a lot of these uh, tokusatsu series, they usually have characters that use what is known as a Henshin sequence, a transformation sequence, to turn into their form. A lot of people are familiar with that with things like Sailor Moon. Sailor Moon is definitely, I think, one of the biggest, like, mainstream when you talk about, like, transforming. That's what I always go to, like, Sailor Moon had to transform, so you know exactly what a henshin sequence is. And basically, Power Rangers is the other example of that, the other, like, super obvious. So, like, before every battle, you're going to have, like, a, a henshin sequence of some kind, and if it's a really, really important battle, they'll do it really quickly and then just, like, jump right into it, you know? But back then, uh, the henshin sequence was kind of the time filler. It was one of those things that they needed to do to fill in time because back then, you know, you couldn't use the suits all the time and everything, and you had a lot more dialogue-heavy stories. So the stories were definitely more people sitting down, talking to each other, discussing, and then you would get a gigantic, like, rodent robot busting in through your room, you know, messing up your day. Kamen Rider then comes in, knocks him out of the room, and then there's probably more civilian discussion. They had to do that to kind of fill time, and the henshin sequences would sometimes go... Like upwards to like a minute and a half, two minutes. Damn. And you know, when you think about like a, a 21, usually a 21 minute show, like that's time filling, especially if you do it more than once, for God's sakes. But you know, that's just what they've had to do. But toy sales were always popular. And Common Rider has really evolved when it's come to things like toy sales. And there's a YouTuber that I uh, watch, and his name's like K2Izo. He has toys from all the way back then. Okay. And he, like the original Japanese toys. And it's so crazy because like they're still working. Granted, you know, the wear of time, you really can't get away from that. But to see these original like toys like working and functioning and then seeing what they have today with you have things that like they light up and they make noise and things like that. Like it's it's crazy to see that I meant to have that on when I demonstrated. Them. <laughs> <laughs> That's cool. That didn't I work out that way. I got the point. Yeah. <laughs> it's definitely changed with that. And seeing the Kamen Rider Gaim Henshin sequence, that was so surprising to me because it was campy. And I love campiness to, mm -hmm. to no end because seeing these really handsome Japanese gentlemen transforming into these fruit warriors, especially Cherry Viking, always got me. I just thought that that was the funniest damn thing. I loved it. And I got involved with the stories because these stories are on par with any anime that you're watching nowadays. Like the twists and shocks that you get out of a lot of anime you find in these shows you're obviously not going to get a lot of the big elaborate things that you can usually see in animation that you can do with animation 
but they do the best that they can with it. Like, they really, really do. The CG, I'm going to admit, not the greatest thing in the world. But for me, I'm a guy that I will defend the Super Mario Brothers movie to the end of this day. It's not a good Mario Brothers movie. But if you saw it as its own thing, it's basically Baby Blade Runner. Like, Yeah, if you had honest. never heard of Mario Brothers, it's just these two guys from Brooklyn getting taken to this ridiculous fungus dinosaur mm-hmm. world and just being told, like, hey, survive. That's basically all that it is. You have Dennis Hopper in probably one of his best performances. Yes. Ever. Because he's having a blast. Like, he very clearly doesn't give a shit. No. So he's just having fun. And and then you... <laughs> Bob Hoskins, he hates that movie. He hated that movie. He hated working on that movie to no end. I mean, his arm was broken for half of it. Broke his, like, finger or something on, like... Like, I, I think it was one of the takes they used. They, like, closed down the van that they had like it was like steaming up or something they closed it down like right on his thumb and yeah that was broken like he did not have a good time if anyone gets the chance there's a youtube channel called good bad flicks they have a whole episode like mini documentary that's like 20 minutes long on the making of this movie and there was no way it was going to be a quote-unquote good movie mm. but it's so it gives you such a great appreciation for the fact that this train wreck of a film even made it to theaters. And let me let it be known, too, that if you are a fan of this movie, like, to the level that I am, so I don't know if you know, there was, like, five writers for that movie. Mm -hmm. So one of the writers still had all of the original plans of what they were going to do for a sequel, He worked with an artist, and they created a comic, which is basically what the second movie would have been in comic format. So go find that. It's a lot of fun, because the second boss they used for it was actually from Mario 2. They used, uh, oh god, what was it? Wart. Wart was the, uh, yeah, no, it was, yeah, it was Mario 2 over here, which was the, uh, the Doki Doki Panic game. That was it, the frog with the robe? Mm Mm-hmm. Okay. Yeah, so Wart was the villain of that second movie, and... This is not talking about Conrad. It's not. <laughs> it's Japanese. We can count it. Yeah, yeah. Why not? Uh, this but, is all filler. Yes. But all right. So then with Common Rider 1, mm-hmm. what specifically draws you to want to talk about that season and that character above any of the others for a show that's been going on for almost 50 years? Well... I think it's just kind of the, you know, respect knowing where it started because I'm not going to tell anyone to go and outright go into that season first off. You know, I would definitely say, I would definitely recommend going with the other seasons, but it's one of those that this was where it started. This was where a man who was a regular man, at least in some level, because at 800 IQ is a little fucking strange, but he was taken by the evil organization. He was turned into... A cyborg by them. He was going to become their villainous mass writer, but before they could change him, before they could alter his brain to be their evil subjugate, an explosion happened and he was able to escape from that. And instead of like just running away from this problem that's become because he's now just full cyborg, he can now destroy rocks just by punching them. And he just wants to be a normal guy living a normal life. 
but he's been given this and he knows that he needs to try to stop this organization. He needs to stop these, these bad people. Like the biggest thing when it comes to Kamen Rider and the reason why I want to talk to people about Kamen Rider is because we, we live in a day and age, we have Marvel, we have DC, we have all of these heroes that we can look up to. And I always feel like a lot of the time, you know, when it comes to Marvel and DC, I don't always find a hero among them that really speaks to me the same. You know, a lot of these people have origin stories that like, they're, they're so different. They're so strange. And not that that's a bad thing. When it comes to someone like Spider-Man, I have Spider-Man is probably one of my absolute favorite heroes when it comes to Marvel. I've always been so captivated when it comes to things like anime storytelling and things like that. And you get some superheroes out of that, you know, Boku no Hero Academia, for example. But I don't know. Kamen Rider told me a different story of heroes that I just really, really liked. And I needed in a time of life that like it, it was presented to me. I went through a lot of bad stuff, a lot of stuff where like I felt I, I felt out. I felt different. And it came to me in a, in a point in my life where they told me stories of heroes that weren't perfect. They told me stories of heroes that, you know, whether they be good from the start or bad from the start, it always told me that, like, you're able to follow your own story. You're able to, no matter what has happened to you, that doesn't reflect what's going to become of you. You have your own choice to change your fate. You have your own choice to be the good that you want to be. And the biggest reason like why I love talking about Kamen Rider is that I want people out there to know there are more heroes to find. And when it comes to Kamen Rider, with the exception of the 90s, you've had nearly 40 years of new heroes with different stories. And like I said, there's so many people that just so heavily focus on anime. They don't like the American style or something, you know, I don't know. They, you know, it's not their thing. This is so inherently Japanese that this would be something that I feel like, you know, maybe just a lot of people don't know about because it's, it's not super available in any way. You know, you've got, um, you've got Shout Factory, who's been uh, putting out these Super Sentai DVDs for the past couple of years, and they're incredible. I love them to death, but for whatever reason, it's really hard to get official Kamen Rider over here. In the 90s, we had Saban brought over Masked Rider in the 90s, which, um, yeah. it's, um... Yeah, that was my introduction to what Kamen Rider was. I remember seeing it on, I think it was like Fox on mm -hmm. Saturdays, mm -hmm. and... Despite the fact that, like, the costumes were cool, the motorcycles were cool, like... Furbus ex existed. Yeah. Like, <laughs> every, everything was cool looking. It wasn't good. And no. I was someone who watched all of, like, Mystic Knights of Tirnanog, which is... God, the... God fucking bless you. I'm sorry, I probably shouldn't swear, but, like, oh my god, God bless you. No one knows about it. Oh, I no watched... one knows about that I watched series. all of it. And it also sucked. Yeah, <laughs> no, it was terrible. But but you know what? I I appreciate it for what it is because they really tried to take American tokusatsu as a real thing. Like that wasn't a thing that we really saw at the time. Like you, uh, there was a lot of tokusatsu. I should probably explain as well. It's basically uh, just terminology for live action shows with special effects in them. So basically, Godzilla. That's one of the easiest examples that you would ever see a tokusatsu. Probably the biggest example you would see, but. Power Rangers falls along that lines, but it was an original series. 
that was the biggest thing with that. You yeah. know, it, it didn't have any like source material from before, no suits or anything. They just did that shit on the spot. But it just wasn't a great story at all, you know. It was not. <laughs> but we keep getting off topic. Yeah, uh, sorry. Back, <laughs> back to Common Rider. Um, so with what you were saying and how Common Rider really filled that role of a character you could look up to. Are there any specific instances specifically involving Common Rider 1 that stand out to you as something that really inspired you? Wow, this is, this is actually my quietest thing. This was really the hardest part when it came to choosing Rider 1 for this because, again... The Rider 1 series, uh, even personally now, isn't one that I've finished. It's 92 episodes. Wow. It was a combination uh, because what happened was uh, after the, the 13th episode, the original character who played uh, Kamen Rider 1, you guys would also know him as uh, Sagata Sanshiro, the mascot for the Sega Saturn back in the day. He was Rider 1. He broke his leg actually riding on the motorcycle. Like He broke his leg and almost to the point of like destroyed that leg. So wow. they had to replace him. They basically had to bring in this story where a second Common Rider came in, who we know is Common uh, Rider Nigo or Common Rider Two. He looks almost exactly the same as Common Rider, except for instead of the original iconic red gloves, he had silver ones. So it's it's a long series, and it's basically like it was a series that was basically all for the second Rider, and then the first one came back after getting healed and everything. I don't know. Uh, Common Rider 1 specifically isn't one that I would say myself was the biggest inspiration for me. It was really what came from Common Rider. So I know it was a little bit more different than what you were hoping for out of that. Where Common Rider 1 comes from for me, and it's not exactly what he did himself, it was what came from Common Rider. It was everything that came after that has really, really affected me. Honestly, just... I've been doing panels and stuff for the last few years. I'm going to be starting up a YouTube series very soon that's going to uh, basically talk about. It's more exposure that I want to give to try to give a more Western take on what Common Rider is. So that way people can get an idea and I'm going to try to go through every series to try that I'm going to go personally through myself, even through the original first series, and give just unadulterated talk about it. You know, let in. Like, that's kind of my biggest goal. I don't really want to make anything out of this except just tell people about the thing that I love. Like, I want to do this just because I want this to be a thing where right now I can get this for absolutely free. I don't have to spend a dime on any of this. And for a lot of people, that's kind of the best thing in the world. But for me, I want to spend money on this. I want to be able to give actual money to support this and to let this grow but it's not something that's here. It's not something that really has the ability to have any sort of funding or anything because they don't think it can make any money over here. To be honest, up until a year ago, they didn't know that there was a market over here for it. They thought maybe just a few otaku type characters were into it. But after this recent season, when a big director of the series made a tweet and says that, well, we don't put out over there because we don't really feel that there is a market. The power of Twitter. <laughs> the power of Twitter really changed that man's mind, and he got blown with so much American nonsense. I feel terrible for him, honestly, because he probably he had no idea. And I mean, I, I don't blame them. They like it's marketing teams over in Japan. They probably don't think a lot of what we're doing. They're thinking about what they can do, what they can improve with over there, and everything. 
And again, I keep going off of your main point. What has Common Rider 1 done for me specifically? Like I said, it's not so much him, it's the legacy he left behind. And the stories that keep continually to this day being told. And I think that all kind of just goes back to Shitaro Ishinomori, the guy who created the series. He was also the creator for the series um, Cyborg 009, big anime series that's been running for many, many years. And a great Super NES game. Oh, wait, they had an NES game? I actually didn't know that. Yeah, Super NES. I'm going to have to look into that because I didn't know about that. Oh, I got it at like the flea market or something as a kid, and I played the hell out of it. That's really, really killer. But no, yeah, Cyborg 009, Super Sentai, like... The man was a guy who came from just basically like a farm town, was taught how to write, draw comics and everything, like post-World War II. And the entire goal that he wanted with his life was to be able to tell stories. Like that was his biggest thing. He wanted to be able to give to people things that they didn't really have because at the time when he was a kid was when manga really started to become like a big mainstream thing. Like, that was when manga was starting to become popularized and there were multiple companies that were beginning to compete against each other before Shonen was even, like, a thought in anyone's mind. And uh, he got to work with Tezuka Osuma, who created the Astro Boy series. He was actually well-known for running out of his work when there were big deadlines, and Shitaro would come in and basically finish the work for him. Get it in on the deadline, usually on the first day. Hmm. And he got, to, uh, he got to work alongside of a lot of people that made a lot of great, notable characters. Like one of his former like roommates and colleagues is the creator of Doraemon. Okay. Uh, you had uh, one that was the creator of, and the series is now running away from me. It was, it's a, now a very super popular anime series featuring these four mischievous brothers that was super popular back in the 60s. They had a manga series prior to that in the 50s. It's called the, it's something with an O, the Oshizumas or something like that. But these big name people just all working under the same roof, living in the same basically like cottage. And he lost his sister, unfortunately, and that was one of his biggest inspirations. And after that, he was usually just doing work for people that wanted him to do specific things. But then after the passing of his sister, he started working specifically on stories for heroes, stories to kind of inspire people. And that's where he got Cyborg 009. He uh, traveled to a lot of places after his sister passed away, so he wanted to create something that could kind of also document all of the places he went to, because he went to he went to Africa, America, Hawaii, Russia, all of these different places. And that was where he got the inspiration for all of the different cyborgs being all these different nationalities and everything. Huh. Even though the nine characters were all based off of the nine manga artists that he used to live with. Yeah. Okay, so the Sorry, way I'm so bad. No, no, you're you're good. You you stayed closer than you think. So basically what kind of inspired you weren't specific actions of the character, but just more in the fact that he existed. He was created mm-hmm. for a specific reason yeah. to reach out to a certain audience and that includes you. It was a series that literally died, you know, in the nineties there wasn't anything common writer. It was completely replaced by the Metal Hero series, which we know the only inspiration we got over here was Big Bad Beetleborgs. Hmm. And Beetleborgs Metallics. Oh, yes. We shouldn't forget the second season. (laughs) But that's all we got for that type of series over here. And it came back in the 2000s. 
that was definitely the big push to try to push more toy sales, make things more interactive for kids. They wanted to basically get to the point where you would spend 40, 50 bucks and you would get the exact same belt that the hero was wearing on TV. And they made it so that way, like if something new is coming out, they would put the toy out like the week before the episode debuted. So that way the parents could get the toys for the kids, the episode would debut, and then the parents could just surprise the kids and go, oh, that new thing you just saw? Here you go. Okay, that is cool. Yeah, that is, it's cool. And that's always the thing with over here. It's like, we see the thing and then it comes out. And so like, you know, maybe like the next few episodes or something, you're going to use it. But like, no, in Japan, they give you the opportunity to be able to feel like the hero in that episode. And that's their biggest thing. I remember in the 90s when Mighty Morphin was advertised to us. They did a lot with it. Japan makes that scene so minuscule. Kamen Rider, Super Sentai, Ultraman. Those are all Superman, Batmans, Captain Americas, you know, Spider-Man. These are all the biggest names in Japan. Like, Ultraman you've had since the 70s, Super Sentai, and Kamen Rider in the, the early 70s as well. These are icons in the very serious way. Back in 2011, there was a massive, massive typhoon that hit Japan. It was so devastating. So, so, so devastating. But one of the biggest beacons of hope was at one of the offices that was um, affected by the typhoon. While there was destruction everywhere, there was one statue that stood. Didn't break. Nothing happened to it. No damage. It was a statue of Kamen Rider 1. And it's just like, that meant something to Japan. Like, that was just like, it doesn't matter. It doesn't matter. It hurts. But we can get through this. Right. It's like for Americans, if we got hit by something and the Rocky statue in Philadelphia was still up. (laughs) It's the same thing, right? Oh, my God. Oh, man, I just, I'm, I'm like now thinking of just everyone just looking up at Sylvester Stallone as like, Stallone, you're the reason why we're here, buddy. I mean, he, he defeated communism. He ended the cold. <laughs> oh, God. I Yeah, you're not wrong. You're not, <laughs> you're not wrong. It wasn't Reagan. wasn't anything in the real nope. world. It was Rocky. It was Rocky. Rocky. <laughs> Adrian. Sorry. Ro- Rocky um, Four. never forget. Uh, that was also the same year, too, that they decided to go lighter with their Common Rider. That was actually where this guy right here is from, Common Rider Forze. That was the season that they decided to not kill everyone. Okay. Yeah. It was their lightest season. I actually recommend this one to most people because if you watch Power Rangers or something, it feels close to it, but not exactly. Whereas this character, the main rider, was a high school. He was a punk. Like, he almost looked like Kuwabara from Yu Yu Hakusho, you know, with, like, a pompadour and everything. Um, But he goes to this American high school in Japan where they do things like American football, and they focus on astronomy. Well, it's it's all a school based on people that are going to become astronauts and things like that, but it has a heavy Americanized feel, so they have, like, a football team and everything. And I'm not even kidding you. In the first episode, there is a so similar shot-to-shot scene of the cafeteria scene from Mean Girls. (laughs) That's amazing. It's so similar because the main character sits down at the table and the main female protagonist with her, she she grabs him by the nose and says, what are you doing? What are you doing? And he's just like, what? I'm just sitting at a table. He's like, but this is the table for the rich people. And she literally starts showing off all the different sections. 
there's the jocks, there, there's the creepy kids, like all of it. It's so funny. And that's the biggest thing when it comes to Kamen Rider. While there is all of that dark and heaviness that you get out of it, it's easily balanced with everything else, whether it be the campiness of the effects of the series or there's a lot of goofiness just within the actual writing of the show itself. That's the biggest thing for me when it comes to any property. I can't watch a horror movie that's all based in just horror, straight scary. I just can't do that. I never mean to offend anyone by that. If that is your thing, that's cool. It's not my thing because my thing, I really love a good little potpourri of everything. I want to laugh. I want to cry. I want to get angry. Like, I want all of these emotions mixed up in my game so that way I can really feel something from it. I can go, man, I cried at that moment. Man, that moment made me laugh. Man, that son of a bitch killed that son of a bitch. And why? Ah! You know, I hate that kind of emotion. Like, if a series does that to me, video game, movie, comic book, it makes me feel that. I've always felt like you've done a good job. Like, I'm looking at your wonderful library right here, and one of the biggest books is one of my favorites, The Hitchhiker's Guide to the Galaxy. I'm not going to go and say that I have read all six stories. I'm pretty sure I just read, like, the first three or four. But, oh my god. This is one of the funniest series that I have ever read in my entire life. But it's not just fun. Actual stuff does happen. There's actual fear that characters could pass away because of this or that. This one makes it a good series is because you're captivated. You want to know what happens next. There's something going on, and that is mostly every Kamen Rider series. I probably shouldn't say every one, because there's some that fall at the wayside, too. That's going to happen with anything, though, especially something that's been going on for that long. Yeah. I mean, even let's look at The Legend of Zelda. It's one of the most like highly praised video game series of all time. But you're always going to have that game that uses Wii Motion Plus... <laughs> I'm glad Skyward was where you went because the first thing I was just going off to was the Philips CDI. I was thinking of, My I'm so hungry, I could eat an Octorok. I was originally going to go with Zelda 2. That's fair. As black sheep of the black sheeps as you can get. I kind of went Skyward Sword because despite the fact that I love the story and the art direction and all of that, there are some decisions that were made mm-hmm. that kind of killed it. The bomb bowling and... Uh, that goddamn desert area that took so damn long it was so tedious that trial was so unnecessary but i like the end i love what the end set up and everything i'm not going to say that because that that's i think one of the biggest spoilers in the zelda series that game but anyway appreciate it for what it is yeah but the next section i call big g little g okay looking at common rider Big G is how is the lesson and the inspiration, what you've gotten from it, good for the world as a whole? And little G, how is it good for specifically you? Okay. Well, for the world, it's always been something of inspiration. That's, I think, been one of Ishinomori's like, biggest goal when it came to that series. It came to something where, you remember that big bad organization I told you about, Shocker, right? Yes. Shocker inevitably kind of became its own marketing tool in the end. It's one of those, like, it's so iconic of a villain series. Like, I really can't think of anything Americanized that I could even, like, try to make inspiration of it to. But the Shocker troopers, who were just, like, the grunt characters to the series, were, to my best description, luchador gimps that would pull out Nazi salutes. Very literally. Um, okay. There's no other way to describe it, and but that's what they are. They have, like, luchador masks, but they are in full black rubber suits except for, like, a belt in the middle there. 
and they usually carry around like Bowie knives uh, because, and yeah, they'd be just kind of known as like gags at this point. And while they went, they started off as gags, they almost became this thing of, even though they're villains, they work so hard for what they want and for what they do that even in their own way, they're kind of like heroes, aren't they? It's a weird kind of narrative that they put with it, but in my own way, I can see it. Like, again, it's a little weird that they're gimp-wearing Nazis and everything, and we're giving praise to them, but it's like... I mean, it was America in 2019. Yeah! <laughs> Live your best life. <laughs> and, and that's why I'm here, talking about a show of Karate Bug Men yes. uh, for a podcast. That's uh, I'm, I'm living my best life, I think. <laughs> honestly it is a series for hope for people like one of the biggest stories that's told out of common writer wizard which is a series based around magical rings literally the character's mask is a gigantic ring and everything it's so bizarre but the whole series is literally based around depression and i feel like the big story of that series was a bigger story that's told throughout the entire series because with common rider every season you have a new character a new writer you don't get backstory of everything of the people before sometimes they'll come back for like movies and stuff but that's promotional reasons all in all tries to inspire people tries to help people get out of a funk that they're in and inspire them to be able to go do more each of these characters that they introduce in like Every common Rider season, they come from all of these different backgrounds. They're all different, weird characters, but they all have a goal. They all want to be. They want to be or end up or become whatever. And it's pretty much just a series that tells you don't give up. Even though there is this big, shadowy, evil thing that's trying to stop your forward progression, you're stronger than that. You have something that they don't have and that you can use to better yourself and transform into something better. Little G is a lot of what Big G was. Little G is... I struggle with motivation all the time. Voice acting is my usual trade. I love it to death, but it's competitive. It's so hella competitive. And honestly, living here in Florida, it's not a great place to do it. Professionally, at least, you know. Having my own projects and everything is one thing. I've never found myself to be the greatest writer in the world or anything, you know? So it's always been hard to just kind of create from this. I've always been better when I had my own something to direct me. Common Rider has just been kind of telling me to just get off my ass and stop letting these things, you know, whether it be the little shit voices inside of your head or what, just keep going. Just keep doing it. And honestly, like, yeah, it's a show for kids, man. But I'm telling you, if I could talk to a person and if I can ask them, like, hey, you're an anime fan, I would talk to them, find out about what their interests are and go, you like these things? You need to check out this guy. Because I can almost guarantee there's a common Rider season that fits everyone. Whether it be you want something hella dark. Hell, they got common Rider that's, like, gory. They have, um, so there's something over there that's known as Midnight Toku. It's basically the tokusatsu of the dark variety where you have, uh, there's this one series that I know actually has an anime adaptation called Garo, which started off as a tokusatsu season, and it is tokusatsu to its core. Full costumes and everything, but 
people die. People get slashed in half. You see blood. So it's adding another element to the whole special effects side of it that you don't usually see. Like Common Rider, sometimes you get bloody. Sometimes people die, but it's people dying by like standards of Avengers Infinity War with a dusting you know yeah. it's not anything that's going to be like oh god that's going to ruin me for the rest of my life because it's so gory it's just no spider-man no <laughs> but with these series they did a uh, common rider amazons which is a reboot series from one of the third or fourth seasons called common rider amazon it was a complete retelling but literally within that first episode it is the spider like i told you before that they like to use the spider villain was taking body parts off of people and eating them and stuff. And you just saw, like, bloody body parts everywhere. And it's just, that's not for me. This is not for me. I love Kamen Rider to death, but, like, I used to be more into the bloody side of things. I just can't do it as much anymore. But, again, I feel like Kamen Rider really does cater to everyone. And I feel like, in one way or another, you're going to find one of these series and you're going to go, that was really good. What's up with these other ones? And that was pretty much where I got here. You know, it was just, I want to watch this fruit series because it sounds campy, a good time, something to hang around, buddy, buddy, watch with people and laugh about. And it got me. It really got me. It got me to the same levels as something of like Gurren Lagan or something over on the anime side. And that series did a lot for me when I was younger. Yeah. When we were talking about what you wanted to cover, that was actually where you were leaning to for a while before you settled on Kamen Rider. Because there have all been big turning points in everyone's life. I'm almost 30 years old now at this point, and I feel like I've had two or three of those big major turning points in my life. Gurren Lagann was the very first one, and that was why it was a big deal for me, was because, you know, I was dating a beautiful girl who was not treating me right, and I needed to kind of get away from that. You know, it was like, yeah, she was really attractive, but that's not what love is. Yeah. And it was just kind of one of those series that just... It's always been a thing that I've had that it's, it's always been so hard for me to hurt anyone, you know, because she did legitimately care about me. You know, I, she did a lot of bad for me, but she did legitimately care. And it's always hard for me, no matter if I'm taking something, that's whatever. I don't care. But like other people that are really close to me and that I care about, like seeing them hurt and crying, that hurts more than anything to me. Right. I'd rather take a broken arm than hurt a friend. You know, and that's not what I'm about. But sometimes when it comes to life, you got to realize that there's different kinds of hurts and that there's understanding that while you could be going one way and doing something because you feel like it's the right thing, I could have kept on with that. But I wouldn't have been in love with her and that would have been wrong for her. Mm -hmm. You sometimes got to take one pain to try to get away from another pain that could be way worse. Right. And that's just another thing that Common Rider has been for me. It's very similar in that aspect. It's just more of a motivational side for my personal wants and my personal goals for the future. Because I would love to become a voice actor, but it's one of those things where unless you're Matthew Mercer, you know, one of the big names or something like that, you can't live off of it. Voice acting is just not a job that you can live off of unless every day you're going to a different place and doing this thing and getting a paycheck one of a, a good friend that I've actually made over the years since doing voice acting was uh, Lanny Manella. She's the voice actress for Rouge for the Sonic Adventure series, Luke Triton for um, Professor Layton. If you've played any Nancy Drew games within the last 20 years, you know Lanny Manella's voice because she is Nancy Drew. She lives such a life like I do now. 
And that shocked me because I've also been friends with people like John St. John, who was the voice of Duke Nukem, because I got to work on projects. I got to work on projects with these people. I didn't just get to be able to handshake and like, hey, how you doing? <laughs> I got to work with them and I got to be able to like interact and that it was just real lucky. But you can't, like, Lanny, she's further up in her age and everything. She gets work here and there. Like, I know she just did work with Blizzard recently, but you have to make it your permanent job. You're going to have to fly places here and there and all of that. And I don't know if it's a thing I can do at some point. You know, I want to. I'm going to have to move for that. But I'm still going to try. You know, if anyone here in town or anything asks or needs work, I'm going to throw my hat into the ring just because I want to help. You know, it's not really to improve other than to maybe add a, an extra something in my demo reel. I just don't feel like I'm at the point where I, I want to ask, but I just want to be able to help in any way that I can. And that's, I think, something that came from Common Rider. You know, I just, there's so much wrong that's going on in the world right now. You know, there's so much bad and I don't want to make it political, but just no matter what way I see it, there's just so much hate and just so much just general negativity that like right now more than anything whether you're an adult teenager a kid you need a hero you know and and when whether you're a person that likes comic books or movies and things like that and would consider themselves a nerd you have a hero everyone everyone needs a hero in one way or another and Common Rider just happens to be one of mine. That was intense. <laughs> Sorry. No, you're good. You're good. That's, that's what I want from this. I want that real reaction and how these fictional characters help real people. So that was perfect. Yeah. So given that, if you had the ability to speak to Common Rider 1, what would you say to him? Probably the biggest one that I can think of is the biggest one that I think that I can think of would be how do you keep doing it? Like motivation, again, is the thing that just kicks me so hard sometimes because, you know, I think about this isn't something I can do, this, you know, like permanently or something because I want a family, I want to be able to support it. And I just, I always sit and ask myself with any hero that I see, how? Like, I know you're strong. I know that you're able to do so much, but how do you keep doing it? And I always think I know the answer. It's never a how. It's never been a how for them. It's always been why. And why is for the good of things. It's for justice. It's for righteousness. And of course, people will say justice is such a vague term. It absolutely is. Absolutely is. But I don't think that there's anyone that would fight the fact that justice and good is something where you help people for the better. You help people for the better. Don't do it for any reason. You, you, you don't do it to try to gain anything. You do it because you do it. There really isn't a reason. You just do it because you feel like that's what's right. And I don't know if that's what he would say. I just I feel like that's probably what he would say, and that's what keeps me going, you know? Given that idea, if you were to run into somebody who is going through a hard time in their own lives, given what you've learned from Common Rider, what kind of advice would you give them? I think something that um, a lot of people don't realize growing up is 
you know, you always hear life isn't fair. That's always the thing that you hear growing up. And, you know, you don't get it. When you're a kid, a lot of the time, while some things might happen, you don't really get the full effect of what it is to be an adult or have to experience what things happen in life. But, like, people need to realize that while life gets as heavy and as terrible as it is, I needed Common Rider really bad a couple of years ago. I had lost um, two kittens to a, uh, a really bad um, disease that was basically something to the comparison of, like, kitten cancer. And it took both of them out in one year. And um, it's, you need something and you, you need someone to keep you going. You need something to, to keep giving you a reason to put a smile on your face, you know? Because life is no way fair in any way, shape, or form. It's just inherently what life is. But you need to know that you can make your own good out of it. And my wife did that. Out of her strength and everything, uh, she started a charity stream. We did a 12-hour stream last year. We raised uh, over $800, and uh, we were able to give it to the uh, the Wind Feline Foundation. They're a uh, foundation that specifically goes into FIP research, which was the virus that killed my cats. We got $800 for playing video games for 12 hours. And um, she was so devastated by that because these cats were one of the biggest things of her life. But she was able to find her own personal way to get through it and to try to help everyone else from getting that and so i think it's just the biggest advice that i could give anyone is no matter what dark is there there is a way out of it it's not going to be easy by any way shape or form but it's possible to get out of it sorry i got a little emotional there <laughs> no that was that was beautiful honestly there's always a way that's the short and sweet version there's right. always a way and that's something that's always important to remember. I don't care who you are, sometimes life gets tough, life gets you down, and you need something, whether that's a personal interest, a hobby, friends, whatever, to help you get through it. Mm -hmm. Anyone who says that life is easy is lying. Yeah. Yeah, or that, or you have a lot of money. <laughs> yeah, or what's, or what's the uh, the Princess Bride line? Life is pain. Anyone who says otherwise is just selling something. <laughs> exactly. 100%. 100% true. All right, Josh, before we go, I just want to give you the opportunity to plug something. That can either be something you're working on, if you want to give some more information on that charity, or if there's just something you're enjoying that's giving you that hope right now well a couple of things if that's okay um yeah. so the first thing is definitely on april 26th we're going to be doing the charity live stream again this year but this time we're going to be doing it for 24 hours we're going to be hosting uh, it at campus cards and games 2 here in orlando i'm saying this so that way if anyone is interested we are leaving this completely open for people to come join us because we're going to be doing 24 hours of gaming we're gonna have some live streams and speed runs and stuff but we want to like actually bring people in to play with us so that way you know we can help try to support a really good cause so april 26th you can find that on the Biscuits Twitch channel, which is B-I-Z-C-O-O-I-T-Z, -I, I believe is how it's pronounced or how it's spelled. Outside of that, I'm going to be putting out a YouTube series. I'm currently in the middle of writing right now. It's going to be called Commentary. Nice. 
<laughs> Very good name. It's as it sounds. I've got a couple of artists that are helping me get sprites and stuff involved, so that way I can try to get some production value into it because I really don't want to half-ass this in any way. Like Common Rider, as uh, as we spent the last hour talking about, it means the world to me, and I really want to try to do it as much justice as possible. So with that, if you're interested in finding out where to find Common Rider, so. Fan subs, as it is right now, are the only way of doing that. There are two groups that specialize in that. I'm not going to go too into the details of how that goes because that does go into a kind of illegal practice. But check out the fan sub groups, either TV Nihon or Overtime Subs. They do subtitles for these shows, and that includes Super Sentai, Ultraman. Maybe you even want the original 70s Spider-Man series. That's there as well, and it's a lot of fun. Yeah, Dan, it's been an absolute pleasure, man. I... Really appreciate doing this with you. Yeah, no problem at all, dude. This was fun. And yeah, if I guess if you ever need me to talk about another character again, I can probably manage. All right, cool. <laughs> but yeah, thank you guys so much for listening. Uh, I hope uh, I converted one of you, and I'll let Dan do the closing because this is his show. <laughs> <laughs> no, that's basically everything I would have said. Thanks for listening, everybody. Bye. See ya.